and begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we are so thankful to come together today in the house of God to hear the word of God, to meditate on it, to digest it, to put it into practice in not just our ears, but into our hearts, Father God, that it would impact the way that we live our lives and that we would go into the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. And the body of Christ said... Amen. Well, as Pastor said, my name is Jonathan Sixto's youth pastor and associate minister here at Good News Church. I'm a part of this local body, and we are part of the body of Christ all over the world. Many Sundays I wake up and I think, man, you know what? The people in Fiji already had church. The people in China already had church. The people in Australia already had church. And that just, it broadens our horizon to think, because many times we have kind of a narrow view, like, oh, well, my church my church no church it's the church and we together are united we are powerful and I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today we are going to talk today about serving the Lord but for those of you who do want to hear a little bit more um, as far as youth ministry we have let me go a couple slides forward we'll go one more if you want to hear any of the messages that we have been getting into because there's no junior Jesus I love telling the kids that I heard that from a children's minister who grew up and had a, a mega church in Oklahoma many of you know who Willie George is and he says I minister to the little kids because there is no junior Jesus because child abuse is rampant in the world today because sexual abuse is in the world today because the enemy is after us from conception until our reception at the pearly gates so we need to be on guard. There's no thing that we need to wait and say oh well you know you need to wait for that you need to wait for they they need to know who Jesus is now. And that's why I'm so glad that Pastor has Friends and Family Sunday. The last Sunday of every month, we share a word for everybody. From great-grandparents to great-grandbabies, the Lord has a word for you today. And I am blessed to work with the youth because our theme scripture is, you don't have to put it up, Jeremiah 1, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And that's the kind of word that your kids are getting in class. If you want to hear any of the video sermons, we did a lot of video sermons during quarantine. Obviously, we adapt. My pastor tells me different bait for different fish. And uh, when we're in person, did a lot of audio recording as well. So you can do that. Or you can just go on Spotify and search Good News Church Victoria. So it's up there. And uh, if, you know, you want to give online, there's an option, little drop-down box with my name on it. And I'm joking. It's a, it's a <laughs> so, But the messages are up there. They're good. It's the Word of God. So we are excited for today. And I want to share with you a message of encouragement, a message of conviction I know how Pastor Rosie feels when she says sometimes, Pastor is preaching my message. So if your toes got a little break during tithes and offerings, get ready because I'm about to get to stepping and we're going to get right into where we live. But I want you to start off today by thinking about something. And I've got a slide. If we can go forward two slides. I want you to think about this. What does it look like to serve the Lord? Because today we're talking about serving 
the Lord in your mind. You know, we all have God gifted us with an imagination. The Lord, in the beginning of creation, he imagined what was going to happen, and then he gave it life. He said, let there be. And when we teach that in the youth class, I have them hold up their hands. This is before COVID, obviously. And you can feel the air coming out. Let there be. It's called a plosive. And God's imagination formed the universe, and it formed us, and we're made in the image of God, so we also have imagination. I want you in your mind to picture, what does it look like? to serve the Lord. I want you to think about it. I want you to hold on to that image. Maybe write it down if you're one of those weird people who still uses paper. I'm joking. I'm joking because all the kids take their notes now digitally. I even, I made my uh, Apple pencil look like an Apple pencil, like a pencil pencil so it can write on my iPad because like Pastor Rose, I'm always on that iPad taking notes. But I want you to remember this. Hold on to it. Just kind of tuck it away. Stew on it if you will. What does it look like to serve the Lord? And that may look different to a lot of us. Some of us might think, well, you know, Brother Jonathan's up there. He's got a tie on. He's preaching the word. You know, he's serving the Lord. But it looks different to many different people because we were all made in the image of God, but God is so immeasurable, Almost, I don't want to say unknowable because we can know him personally in a relationship through Jesus Christ, but indescribable. There was a worship song that came out a while back and it said indescribable, uncontainable. That's who you are. And so we say, well, we're made in the image of God. That means each and every one of us can be different. We can be unique and still be made in the image of God. Just like God makes all of us with different fingerprints. Before I got my teaching job, I had to go get my finger, fingerprints and they had to make sure, you know, that I'm not some kind of crazy person running around with different identities and everything. But just like we all have different fingerprints, we're all made in the image of God. And so what it looks like to serve the Lord is going to look different for each and every one of us. But we all know that we can find the blueprints, we can find the maps here in the Word of God. Any of you guys still use paper maps when you travel? I have a couple times. My mom's a big fan of paper maps because this is her logic. Paper never has to charge a battery, All right? Because many of us have been some, oh, my phone's going, to, I only got 5%, I got 3%, I got 2%. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello? So with a paper map, you know that it's always there. It never needs to be charged and it's never going to change because I've had some Google incidences where it tells me to turn and I have turned and I took a wrong turn, but I was just following directions. I am thankful to God that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this map is not going to change. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. We're all here in person. Amen. Well, I want to talk, first of all, about what it looks like to serve the Lord. And we'll go ahead and turn over to Joshua chapter 5. And I want to read verses 13, 14, and 15 in the ESV. So I've got them up here for you on the screen. And we're going to look at what Joshua the man who had to follow Moses, no pressure, right? Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses who split the Red Sea and brought all the plagues. And then Joshua's like, all right, next man up. Ooh. Well, he's getting ready for battle. And he runs into this guy. And we're going to talk about what he learned about serving the Lord. 
So chapter 5, verse 13 in the ESV says this, when Joshua was by Jericho, he looked up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Now Joshua was a man of battle, so that gets your attention. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua approached this man and he said, hey, you've got two options. You're either for me or you're against me. And he said, no. I love that response. Now, I'll kind of share with you a little peek behind the curtain of our family dynamics. My sister loves to have everything planned out. Those of you who know Sister Joy, she loves planning things, and she likes to have a plan, and a backup plan, and a backup backup plan, and a backup 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 plan. And that's good. That's God's gift. That's how she serves the Lord. She's like, okay, and if this happens, and if that happens, and if this happens. So she'll often give me a choice. Hey, do you want this or do you want that? And I like to, I like to mess with her because, you know, God's gifted me. I'm a little funny, just a little bit. And so she'll say, do you want this or do you want that? And I'll say, yes. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll carpool sometimes and she'll, we'll be driving home. She goes, well, do you want to, you want to go to Subway or you want to go to Sonic? Yes. <laughs> and she say, oh, okay, well, you know, we, uh, well, what color are you going to wear Sunday so we can match? You know, are you going to wear red or are you going to wear blue? Yes. And then I like to mess with her too. She goes, what are you going to, what are you going to preach on, bub? Cause I mean, I'm 31 years old, but I'm still bub, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what are you going to preach on, bub? And I like to mess with her. I say, I'm going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> and I love this. I can understand where this, this angel of the Lord's coming from. Cause Joshua goes, are you for us? Or are you for our enemies? And he's like, nope. What does that mean? What's going on here? And he said to him, no, but I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I've come. And I love the way that he responds because he is not only recognizing his own authority and his own mission, but he's telling Joshua something. Look, the person that I am, the mission that I have, it doesn't fit into your little human brain box. And we're going to talk about this, because what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about serving the Lord. Well, what does it have to do with a battle, Brother Jonathan? Now I have come, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does the Lord say to his servant? What does the Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, well, this is how the battle's going to go, Joshua. You're going to put your troops over here, and then you're going to come over here, and then, you know, if we see them that they move over here on the left flank, well, then we're going to audible, and then we're going to motion to slot receiver over there. We're going to Omaha, Omaha. No, he didn't give him a battle plan. That's what Joshua wanted, wasn't it? Because he was saying, you know, the most important thing to me right now is my problem. Where do you fit into my plan? What are you going to do about I will? And the commander of the armies of the Lord said, no, let me tell you what you need to do. Take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua did so. Joshua didn't question. He didn't go, yeah, oh, wow, that's, wow. welcome. Welcome to earth. I'm Joshua. 
Okay, let me explain what's going on here. We, we're God's people, so, you know, you need to pick a side. You're for us, right? You're, you're on our behalf. Here we are in this battle, and, and you have to choose it. No. Tell you what I want right now. I want obedience. Joshua wanted an ally in the battle, and the Lord wanted obedience. What can we learn about this? Well, in his position, serving the Lord looked like you don't say, well, God's on my team. You know, it's a, uh, I heard a message a while back, and this minister, he said this, you know, God's got your back. And he was referencing the scripture where the Lord goes before you, and he bears you up from behind. He fights your battles. But if we have a shallow understanding, like Pastor was warning us a couple weeks ago, so many people like to just cherry pick these scriptures. And they say, well, God's got my back. So I can just charge right ahead. I can text and drive because God's got my back. I can drink and drive because God's got my back. But we need to understand where we are in response to him. You know, for thousands of years, a lot of people believed that the earth was the center of the universe. Did you guys know that? They thought that we were here and everything just kind of circled the earth. Kind of sounds like some Hollywood celebrities, but international scholars, people like Nicholas Copernicus, people like Johann Kepler, people like Isaac Newton, people like Galileo, they started to question these things. And you know that the weird thing was the number one opposing force that they found was the church at that time. Because the people in charge of the church at that time they viewed the world like Joshua before this encounter. Well, if, if you don't back us up here, well, then you're against us. Unfortunately, they obviously never read in the Bible where it talks about how the earth is not the center of the universe. It's in there. David talks about it. Job talks about it. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, like we talked about that all Scripture is God breathed from the lungs of God, Theonumos, they understood the world better. And that's what happened here with Joshua. He had an encounter, and God said, the most important thing right now is not your problem. It's your position. And just like Pastor was preaching my message earlier, many times we want to stand up to God, and God says, you need to bow down. You need to kneel down. You need to be obedient. Because guess what? It didn't even matter what Joshua's plan was. Because the Lord already had a plan in place. Here's how Jericho is going to fall. You're going to follow instructions. And so Joshua has an encounter with, and he understands, he recognizes it because he learned from Moses when God says you do. And that's where the breakthrough comes. What are we talking about today? We're talking about serving the Lord. And so Joshua has this encounter here in chapter 5, and it is going to influence the entire nation. So, spoiler alert, Jericho Falls. We're going to fast forward to Joshua 24 and verse 15. It's a favorite scripture, but before we get there, I have a quotation that I'm going to have Michael put up there, and it is from Pastor Rick DuBose who recently wrote an article for the Bible Engagement Project, and he says this, Insurrections, turmoil, and dissent 
will not ultimately be quelled until Satan has been bound. At that time, loud voices in heaven will say, Revelation eleven fifteen, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Any national victory or national failure will pale in comparison until that day when all kingdoms have surrendered to the just and true reign of Christ. And this is the quote that I have here. In response to the angel's third side option, Joshua fell down in reverence. His spiritual eyes were opened to see that place not as a battleground, but as holy ground. And so ends Joshua 5. Joshua recognizes the holiness of the moment before he was able to receive God's directives for how to address Jericho. In these first few moments of 2021, I want to encourage all of us to continue looking towards God's eternal purposes. And he ends saying this, if something isn't advancing his kingdom, then it's too small of a goal. And many of us as the body of Christ, again, this is a strong word and it's been heavy for me for the past couple of weeks. It's like, ooh, God, you want me to say that? Okay, well, I'm going to have to say it because we have to be obedient. As the body of Christ, many times we reduce the power of God to you're either for me or against me. We have seen so many people so bitterly divided by saying, well, you you can't support that person because abortion or homosexual marriage or this or that. And we've been lied to many times by people running for office who say, well, I support the sanctity of marriage and, you know, my eighth wife will back that up. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now they say, well, you know, I support, I support uh, the, the right to life. But then if they're messing around and one of their side pieces had an abortion, they don't want us to know about that. And so we try and reduce the power of God to, well, this person is on God's team. But in reality, we're thinking to ourselves, God's on this person's team. Well, God's with me, so whatever I do, that was the dangerous part Pastor talked about. Well, God's on my team, so my steps are ordered of the Lord. That is a gross misinterpretation. And that's why we have to be careful, because it sounds good sounds logical well if God is on my team and this person is my opponent well then the transitive property of mathematics says that if a equals b and b equals c then a equals c so this person is against God when maybe just maybe we are outside God's will makes me think of that Disney movie with the, the lions and the little boys like, oh, I'm going to be a king. I want to be brave like you. And the big, strong lion says, being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. And where does he get in trouble? He gets in trouble because his dad tells him, you must never go there, Simba. And what does he do? Oh, you mean here? You mean I'm not supposed over there? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to go into the middle of Walmart and hug everybody and kiss everybody on the cheek, but I'm not worried about Corona because God's got my back. <laughs> we have to use wisdom, church. You see what I'm saying? Are we, we pick a fight with someone, and then when they oppose us, we say, well, you must be a bit against God then because God's got my back. But if we're the ones acting out of the flesh, 
If we're acting out of our reaction or we heard one piece of information and then we want to go on a crusade and we say, well, you're either on my team or the other team. But what does it look like to serve the Lord? It's obedience. And many times what he wants us to do is not what we will ourselves to do. So Joshua could have said, well, yeah, you're the commander of the armies uh, of the angels, but I'm the commander here. You know, who outranks who? But he recognized in that moment what it looks like to serve the Lord. And he said, you know what? Serving the Lord for me right now doesn't look like having an amazing battle plan and the best armor and the latest weapons. What it looks like is worship. It's obedience. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And since Joshua got that on the inside, the entire nation was able to prosper. So let's fast forward to Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to read what God expects from us as servants. So stay with me. We're going to go through quite a bit of text here, but we are going to pick this thing apart like so much rotisserie chicken. It's going to be good. It's going to be real good. All right, so Joshua chapter 24, verse 1, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and some of the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through the land of Canaan, and made his offspring many, I gave him Isaac. That's a promise. I want you to remember that. I gave him Isaac. Remember that. Next slide. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward, I brought you out. I want you to remember that. I brought you out. So far, we've got a promise with Isaac. We've got a deliverance from Egypt. Stay with me, church. Verse 6, Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Next slide. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand. I want you to remember that. We've got a promise with Isaac. We've got deliverance from Egypt. We've got protection in battle. I gave them into your hand and you took possession of their land and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. He sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. Next slide. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the websites and everything. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorite. It was not by your sword or by your bow. 
I gave you a land which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. I gave you a land. So we've got a promise in Isaac. We've got deliverance from Egypt. We've got protection in battle. We've got a destination. And then he gives them a choice. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, serve beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. In verse 15, everybody's got uh, Joshua 24, 15 on their pillows, on their curtains, on their little crosses they hang on the wall, and they frame it up in their house. But they only put the second half. Imagine walking into a house and you have a plaque and it says this, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, <laughs> it just doesn't have the same ring to it, you know, as for me and my house. But that's not how it starts. It says, if it is evil in your eyes, there it is, pastor, black and white. You want to talk about a choice. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. What are we talking about today? We're talking about serving the Lord. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wow. And he presents this choice. You want to talk about like an open book test. He gives them all of what God has done for them already. The historical review. And then he gives them the answer before he gives them the question. Serve the Lord with all sincerity. Now, choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? If it's evil to you, if you think, well, God just doesn't want me to have fun. Well, I don't know. In my biblical theology, I, do, I reached a different conclusion in my one version of the Bible. You know, I, I read the Passion Translation that came out last year. <laughs> but they don't want to go back to the Vulgate and the Septuagint and the original Hebrew and the Greek translations of the New Testament and see what the word means. What does the word mean? Because everyone says, well, this is what the Bible says. There's actually a politician who went on record saying, if English is good enough for Jesus Christ, it's good enough for Texas school children. Jesus didn't show up in England in the 1500s and talk to King James, okay? He spoke the language of the time. It was translated, and that's why we read these different translations, we understand. Get you a good commentary. I've got a Bible where it's like three quarters Bible and then one quarter notes. I love the notes. I'm such a nerd. But it helps me understand. If you have multiple sources, you cannot be deceived. Jesus said in these last days, people are going to say fake news. He's over there. I saw him over here. Jesus is here. This is what's happening. Don't be deceived. If you think it's evil to serve God, you make your choice. You take your children. And pastor just told us where you're choosing to go. But as for me and my house, over 40 years ago, Pastor Ruben made that declaration for Good News Church. 
the house of God. You know, Psalms 133, where it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Well, pastor's in charge of this house. Have you guys seen those commercials with that quarterback from the Cleveland Browns? And he's like taking care of the stadium. You know, he's picking up the trash and the bleachers. He's like, come on, Dave, if we all do it, we can finish. Or he's trying to find the smoke detectors. Beep. And it's like a home insurance commercial. It's like, it's your house. Protect it with whoever, wherever. But they have the quarterback there because it's like his house, right? And so Pastor Ruben is over this house, right? You know how you have those friends where you go to their house and you, you take off your shoes and you walk quietly, you close the door, and you spray the little spray when you go to the restroom. But then you have those other friends where you walk in and you're like, hey, miss, whatever. And you go to the fridge and you pull something out. You put your feet up on the couch. Oh, what are y'all watching? So we have rules in this house. We bring our best to this house because pastor has decided, according to this, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to go looking for a fight and say, well, God's got my back. We're going to say, God, where do you want me and when do you want me there? We need to be obedient. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he gives them this choice. Let's go to the next slide. After he gives them the exploits. And I'm going to go a little rapid fire here like Pastor Rosie does sometimes and give you these scriptures. You don't have to go there, but you need to write them down. Am I right, Pastor? That's right. So you don't think, well, I just picked one scripture. No, there are scriptures upon scriptures upon scriptures. So God gave Isaac to Abraham. He's got a promise. Well, we've also got a promise. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, it says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. See, everything that Joshua gave to the nation of Israel, we are experiencing today in the body of Christ. Now, I'm not some new age substitutionary rogue theologian saying that the church is Israel. No, I know my place. We are grafted in. Okay? So Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. We're going to find out that all of these things that God did for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, he has performed through Christ for us in the New Testament. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. God brought Israel out of Egypt. Well, in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hanged on a tree. And so it's so interesting that through the curses and the plagues, God delivered the nation of Israel. Because the plagues weren't meant for us. The wrath of God wasn't meant for us. Hell was not meant for us. There is a way of escape. There's deliverance. But many of us want to wait. And we want to go party with the Egyptians and put it on our snap. And they say, oh, I got to go, guys. The Red Sea's closing up. So whoop. But if you are not where God needs you to be, if you're not in a house that's been covered by that blood, and then you're out there rebuking the spirit of death, not today, Ronan. If you're not walking with God, how can we expect his protection? So we've got the promise with Isaac. We've got the protection in battle. We have 
They fought with you, and I delivered them into your hands. And 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Now here is a hard saying, church, and I say this because I love you and I'm preaching to myself. It does not say for this purpose the Son of God was manifested so that he might redeem the works of the devil. Well, I, it's, that, it's that song, but I changed the words, so now it's okay. It's the radio edit. And then you sing the song, and you're just like, once upon, and then I, because you, you're not supposed to say those words, right? It doesn't say for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. He might redeem the works of the devil. It says destroy. It doesn't say that he might blend in with the works of the devil. Well, I'm, I'm seeker friendly. So they don't really know I'm a Christian until something comes up. And then I'm like, oh, would you like to know where I find my hope? There's a lot of people out there like that. You know, you see them. And you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know you were a Christian. <laughs> well, manifest means like a display, right? Like when you're shipping something and you say, well, this was on the manifest. That means it's written here. It's supposed to show up. I paid for this. That he might destroy the works of the devil. And it says he that sinneth is of the devil. So he didn't say, well, he, he came to excuse the works of the devil. Well, the Lord knows I'm a recovering addict. Every now and then I slip up. Go buy me a 24 case. Watch the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Not in the playoffs, am I right? So. <sighs> All right. <laughs> For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So why do we see him in the church? It's a strong saying. It's the word of God. I gave you a land on which you had not labored. The promised land. What is a promised land to a New Testament believer? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And I put it in the King James because that's the way Brother Cedro remembers it. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So we, through Christ, have been able to enter into a land that no labor would get us there. Joshua's forces were unable to take Jericho. But God didn't say, I want to take Jericho. God didn't say, I want to redeem Jericho. God didn't say, I want you to blend in with Jericho and we'll just pretend like Jericho's not there. They're working. He said, I'm going to destroy it to the ground. And not because of Joshua's righteousness, Rahab, a prostitute, survived because she decided, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Redemption. For those of you who don't know the genealogies, because Jews were all about their genealogies, right? Well, I'm from so-and-so family. Rahab is in the bloodline of Christ, a prostitute. Jesus came from that. Don't tell me God can't redeem something. But don't hang on to it when God says to get rid of it. 
Well, you know, I mean, this friend of mine, you know, well, that's going to come later. That's, I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> All right, so we see the exploits. We see the exploits. We know the exploits. We understand the exploits. But what about the expectations? Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, the Amorites in whose land you dwell. We live in a hostile culture. You've heard me say it, but I've been saying it for years since I got back from college. We live in a culture that worships themselves. I will exalt my throne. I will exalt my body. Look how sexy I am. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Look how I can dance. Look how I can sing. Look at me. I will exalt myself. I will exalt my relationship. Thirteen years old. Oh, I love you. I don't know how I could live without you. Two weeks later, oh, I love you. <laughs> I don't know how I live without you. Two months later, oh, I, I love you. <laughs> well, we, we chase that feeling. I, I want to be loved. I want to be valued. I want to be exalted. I want all these favorites and these likes and these followers. I will exalt myself. We live in a culture that worships itself. And you may not know this because I've done a little studying. I'm okay, don't worry. But the motto of the Satanist church is do as thou wilt. Why is that? Why is that the motto of the Satanic church? Wouldn't it be like, oh, you know, down with Jesus or whatever? Because the enemy knows if you're not going to worship God, you're going to worship the gods around you. And we don't know it, but if we worship ourselves, we're worshiping Satan. It says, he that sinneth of the devil because the devil sent it from the beginning we say i will exalt myself above you think of all the sitcoms all of the television shows anything that is media given to our children what are they saying in this day and hour your parents are stupid the establishment is wrong you know what's best tolerate everyone whatever feels good do it those are the gods of the Amorites. And a lot of us are being held back from the promised land. Well, Brother Jonathan, why is this going on in my family? Brother Jonathan, why is this happening in my household? I thought that as for me and my house, we were going to serve the Lord. What has happened? We did not put away. We did not allow the Son of Man to destroy. We hung on to something. A little bit of cancer in the body is cancer in the body. I went to get a loaf of bread the other day, and there was a couple of green and blue spots on some bread. Threw away the whole loaf. Didn't cut around it and say, oh, okay, you know, this." well, that's okay. I'm going to try and redeem this piece later. When God says it needs to be removed, it's because he has already seen what's going to happen in the future. He already knew that Saul was going to die by the sword of a foreigner when he told him to wipe out the foreigners. 
He already saw that your child was going to be led astray when you didn't have peace about this little friend they brought home. Huh. What are you, what are you humming there in the back seat? What are you singing? What are you, what are you watching? Who are you with? Where are you going? Where are you going? You know, we go back to Willie George that I mentioned at the beginning, powerful man of God, legacy ministry up there, and he's been faithful in children's ministry for years and years and years. And people used to tell, well, why, why the children's ministry, Willie George? Why not? I mean, you've got all these followers. You could have your own church. And he shares this. He was ministering, and there was this young boy who came, and he got all excited, and he brought his parents, and his parents came, and they were faithful for a few years, and his parents got offended or something, and they left. But the kid stayed. The kid became a leader in that church. And that is why pastor has asked me to talk to your kids because the enemy is after us from conception until our reception into heaven and he does not stop there are multiple states in the united states that are passing death with dignity acts that say well if you don't want to see your loved one like that you can pull the plug but god made us in his image the state of New York recently, to much fanfare, said, we're going to allow the abortion of children until the day of delivery. For those of you who don't know, partial birth abortion is when the baby is halfway out, then they kill it. I'm not going to get into details because we have some younger kids here. And then they pull the rest of it out. The rest of it out. Applause in the state of New York, celebration, clapping, cheering. We will exalt our throne. We will serve the gods of the Amorites. And people say, oh, the Bible's so old-fashioned. We're seeing it today. The same choice, the same opportunity, the same exploits, but the same expectation. And we'll see in the next slide. Here's the problem, church. You can't get the exploits without the expectation. So we say, well, you know, I got a bad report today from the doctor, so get your stuff ready, hon. We're going to church. What took so long? I say, well, you know, this is one of the favorites of my students. I say, hey, we missed you yesterday. Oh, I woke up late. <laughs> you better not miss the rapture. You know what I'm saying? It reminds me of the, the Sid, the sloth guy from the Ice Age. He missed the whole migration. He's like, they left without me. They do this every year. You guys know what I'm talking about, the kid movie? And they leave. They, the whole family, Zach, Lucy, Uncle Fungus, all of them, they're gone. And he says, doesn't anyone care about Sid the sloth? Well, that's the problem. The body of Christ is not stagnant. The church of God is not sitting, waiting for you to decide that you're going to be a part. We are active. We are moving. When Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, I don't know if you know this. I know that 4M Construction can vouch for this. Gates don't move. <laughs> like That's where the gates are. So when Jesus says that, it's meant that we are to be on offense, storming the gates of hell. One of my favorite theologians he said this, I would rather set up shop 
yards from the gates of hell that I might snatch souls from the enemy. Because many times we say, well, my family's saved. Okay, we're good. Well, my kids are doing okay. Okay, we're good. We are supposed to be active. As for me and my house, we're going to sit around and thank God that we're okay. No, we're going to serve. And serving is action. So we're going to examine what serving the Lord looks like at each stage of life. We'll start with children. And I want you to get these scriptures. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. I'm saying this to the young people. If your parents aren't teaching you the things of the Lord, don't follow that path. Now, does that mean, Billy, throw out the trash? I'm not going to throw out the trash because you're not a Christian. <laughs> no. It means to obey your parents and the Lord. Don't allow them to put something on. I teach this to kids all the time. We are to be loving. We are to be graceful. But don't you dare let anybody take advantage of you. You don't let them lead you where you know you're not supposed to go. No, I don't like that. No, that's not right. It touched my heart when I heard uh, Michelle share a story about when Vince made a stand at school and said, no, I'm not, I'm not about this. That's not right. And I'm not going to go along with it. Even when he knew people who were okay with that. People said they loved Jesus and they were okay with that. But Vince in his heart, he said, no, I'm not, I'm not about that. And if you know anything about Vince, he's not easily moved. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's, uh, that's what the coaches all across the state of Texas voted, right? He's not easily moved, right? <laughs> so our children need to obey their parents in the Lord. And I put this, guys, they're in children's church. They can't hear me. This is for you, okay? <laughs> this is for you parents. So children obey your parents in the Lord. If they're to obey you in the Lord, then you are to lead them in the Lord. It's right there. Honor your father and mother. So what do they honor? Well, it's very hard to honor someone who's not honorable. So we need to be people of honor because the Bible says give honor where honor is due. So if a kid says, well, can't really honor my dad because he's a drunkard and, you know, he's teaching me this and he's teaching me that. Well, we need to use discernment for the kids to say, well, I'm going to obey in chores. I'm going to obey in schoolwork, but I'm not going to adopt that lifestyle. I'm not going to accept that generational curse. I'm not going to allow people to take advantage of me because too many people twist Scripture to take advantage. Well, you better this and you better that because, you know, the Lord is and the Lord that. Children obey your parents in the Lord. So we as parents, we need to teach our children who the Lord is. It's so strange to see kids who have no idea who Christ is. You know, the generation before mine, mostly God-fearing, the generation before that, mostly saved, supported, Judeo-Christian worldview and all that stuff. People knew when they were doing wrong. But now, it's not a question of, am I doing wrong? It's a question of, who told you that was wrong? What's wrong with this? Who are you to tell me what I do? Well, that's speak your truth. Jesus didn't say speak your truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So now we got people saying, well, I'm going to let my child choose their gender when they grow up. That'll be their truth. Well, I'm this and I'm that. And 
Everyone's confused because no one wants to know the truth. Everyone's offended. Well, you know, I mean, you can do what you want to do, but I'm not okay with it. And they just keep steamrolling, keep moving. We knew this was coming years ago. 2014, they were fighting. Marriage, marriage, marriage. And we knew if marriage goes, gender's next. Marriage went, gender's next. Now, the next thing is going to be the age of consent. Already in New Zealand, trying to lower the age of sexual consent to 14. So that an adult, not leading their children in the Lord, can say, I want you, I should have you, let's change the law so that I can. Yeah, and we're shocked now, right? Just like five years ago, we were shocked about marriage. But now it's here. Now it's coming. And if we are not serving the Lord, if we are not active, if we are not protecting our children then the enemy doesn't even have to battle us. Because what Willie George said when he told that testimony about the child, he says, they left the church, but I got their kid. And he had them for the kingdom of God. He had them to where that kid raised their family in the house of God, living for the Lord, but in the same way. The enemy is like, okay, you're old, you're saved, whatever. 20, 30 years, you're out of here. But I can get your kid. And I can get their kid. And I can just slide in a little friend, little boyfriend, little girlfriend, little sports team, little coach. Because a lot of people are spending more time with the team than they are with the home team. A lot of people spending more time with the teachers than they are with the parents. A lot of people spending more time with the friends than they are with Jesus. And that's dangerous. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm simply announcing to you what I see in the hallways, in the classrooms, in our culture. It's hard saying. It's the word of God. So let's talk to the young people. The youth, our theme scripture, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says, Do not say, I am only a youth. We have this misconception that you don't speak for Jesus until you're an adult, right? We have another misconception I'm going to talk about a little bit that like, well, you're not valid until you're married because you don't have a family. No, that's, that's not true at all. We'll get there. But for the youth, do not say I am too young because Satan doesn't say you're too young. No. Predators walk our streets, and I'm not just talking about sexual predators, ideological predators. Hmm, you don't know your scriptures? Well, I can confuse you. Has God said? That was the first thing that went wrong in the garden. Eve didn't know the words of God, so she was deceived. And so I shared this, I get this revelation, I think it was 2011. Eve was deceived, and now we are bereaved. Do we really want to continue to take from the tree? We allow Satan to influence our children because we don't give them the word of God. The Bible doesn't say, teach your children to pray. It says, pray with your children. It doesn't say, you know, put on a, a VeggieTales for them. No, you teach them the Bible stories. It doesn't say, oh, well, let's go to pastor and have him pray. No, you pray for your family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If we're not showing our youth, they are getting shown some other things. Some of our youth have told me. 
can we pray for this person in school? Because they're dealing with this. At that age, they're dealing with these things. Like I said at the beginning, there is no junior Jesus. It's a powerful Jesus who gives us victory over a full-grown devil. We have to be prepared. As for me and my house, what are we talking about today? Serving the Lord. So for you young people, I challenge you, do not say I'm only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. He doesn't say will speak. Shall is an imperative. It's a directive. It's a command. We shouldn't have youth who are afraid to pray for someone else. Kids are only supposed to be nervous around strangers. So whenever we ask them to pray, it should be familiar. We shouldn't have youth who are uncomfortable praising the Lord. Kids are only nervous around strangers. What's so strange about the presence of God? What's so strange about knowing a praise song, a worship song? Why is it that Sister Ruthie can sing that song and the older people can sing it but then we leave, someone turns on the radio, and the younger people can sing it. What's going on here? Two different textbooks. I can tell when a kid's been doing the homework. And I'm not talking about my day job. It's a hard saying, but it's the Word of God. So youth, it is now your responsibility. You clothe yourself. You feed yourself. You are learning on your own behalf, especially with the remote schedule that we've had off and on this year. So don't tell me that you can't learn the Word of God for yourself. None of this, oh, I can't find a version that I like. There's like 50 versions of the Bible. You can find one, okay? The message, the passion, the English standard, the new King James. They don't all have to be, you know, the King James version. It's out there. You just got to find it. Youth just have to find it. Let's talk to the parents. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The Bible doesn't say even when he is 18. The Bible doesn't say even when he has his driver's license. The Bible doesn't say even when he has his own cell phone. It says when he is old, there is no pause button on parenting. There is no pause button on parenting. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this mess that I get from a lot of parents at the school, well, I just don't know what to do with him anymore. Mama, you ain't done. <laughs> I'm still looking for that finish line that you think you crossed because it's not there. And then these kids say, well, you can't tell me nothing, Mama. I'm grown. By the way, uh, my phone, did you pay the bill? Because my phone's not. I need, could you? Can't tell me what to do, mama. I'm grown. By the way, me, me and the boys are going to hang out. So you got some gas money. You got some, you got some money for some snacks. Because I'm going to hang out with the boys. Yeah. The Bible does not have a pause button on parenting. And that's not just to the parents. Because like I said earlier, a lot of times people feel like, well, if I'm not married, I don't matter to the church. Because they're just about like, well, parents teach your kids, and parents teach your kids. What about the people who don't have kids yet? Well, they're not children anymore. But they're dealing with these things in the world. What are we going to do with them? 
are they not responsible anymore? Well, I could just kind of kick back and go to church whenever I want. And then, you know, when I get married, I'll, I'll bring my kid. We'll dedicate that. And we'll, we'll bring the kid to church. There is no pause button on parenting. And there's nothing that says here that you are disqualified if you're not a parent. So for all of you in the church and the body of Christ who think, I'm not valuable until I get married, you are supposed to be active, serving the Lord. We are on a mission, and not a single one of us lacks value. As for me and my house, are you part of the Good News Church? Well, then you're part of this house, and you've got a job to do. Thank you. Amen. So to train up a child in the way he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. We in the body of Christ are the family of God. And you've heard me share before in some of my other preachings. Uh, on my maternal side, I didn't have a relationship with my grandfather at all. Maybe saw him two, three times in my whole life. No support, no discipleship, no generational wisdom passed down. But here in the body of Christ, I shared Brother Cedro's favorite scripture earlier because he's told it to me. He shared with me the story of his salvation. The other day we went out to eat together and he was telling me his journey through college. And I, I relished that as an educator, hearing how God opened doors for him to get college education. And we're not blood related. There's no 23andMe test that I spit in and it came back and said, oh, you got some Samudio in you there somewhere. No. For those of you who don't remember, when pastors were involved in that horrible accident, I was spending the night at Brother Millie and his sister Minga's house. And I got a text, and we got together, and we prayed. And I'm going to remember that night, and I'm going to tell my children about that night, and my grandchildren about that night, and other children who don't have a grandfather about that night because the men of God in this church have stepped in where I needed them and so those of you whatever age you are you are needed you think well I don't have a kid but somebody's watching you I remember at the purple church when Rama was just this high and she would walk in and she would say sister joy um can I host with you they're not related. We're not bloodline, the Trevinos. But somebody's watching. Somebody's always watching. Train up a child in the way he should go. It doesn't have to be specifically your child. Because that's the kind of racism that divides the church. We say, well, you're not mine. I don't care about you. See, church, this is what stifles our witness because we get our family saved and then we don't care. Well, my family's saved, so we're good. I don't want to talk to those people. They look differently than me. They're from a different side of town. Well, I don't like that kid. He's a little too rough. He's just visiting. Well, I'm, I'm just going to wait until, you know, he doesn't come anymore. Train up a child in the way he should go. This is a hard word, but it's the word of God. We cannot stop. Just like there's no pause button in parenting, there should be no pause button in witnessing. 
Jesus didn't say, go into all your relatives and preach the good news. He said, all the world. My sister and I love hearing testimonies from missionaries because we've interacted with and we support several of them all around the world. And just in brief college interactions, one, two years, couple years myself, but we still sow. We still see that impact. We're still supporting. We're still calling and checking because train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart. Our job is never done. I love to see the brothers checking in on me, checking in on Michael, checking in on Janoa. Because just because we're not in the youth class anymore doesn't mean we don't still need support. So the young adults are vital. Not just because, well, we need the young adults to stay in the church because when they get married, they're going to have babies and our church will get bigger. That should not be our mindset. It should be, well, the young adults are vital because they're going to bring in their friends and the youth are going to bring in their friends and we're going to bring in families. That's why Willie George felt that call of God to the children's ministry because in the 70s and 80s, a lot of churches were so caught up in these huge revivals and they said, well, just, just put the kids in the children's church because we don't want them crying during the revival. But God said, you are going to minister to the children. That's what my mama taught me. All of the gospel bill shows, the puppets and, you know, the cutouts and the foam and the glitter. Oh, Lord, the glitter. We probably still have glitter in our house from Lone Tree. You know what I'm saying? It just, it lingers. Like the glory lingers, glitter lingers. It gets everywhere. <laughs> so we've got our children, we've got our youth, we've got our parents. Let's talk to our grandparents. I love this scripture. Joshua 4, verses 21 through 24 and one of the last times that I ministered on a Sunday it was about the memorial stones the nation of Israel crossed over the Jordan and he said let's remember what God did here so verse 21 he said to the people of Israel when your children ask their fathers in times to come what do these stones mean then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever I want you <clears throat> excuse me to remember the scripture I want you to recognize the importance of older generations. Because just like I said, the media that we're producing now, it's all about the young people. It's all about people in the prime of their life. Let me get surgery so I don't look old. Let me use all of these things so I'm still young and attractive and desirable. Let me dress up my own little golden calf because I am an idol. But the older generation is still valuable, still have a job to do. It's not, one of the, I was talking with my students about this because there was a trending phrase right before Corona hit and it went like this, okay, boomer. And it meant, it's like this, this comeback, this ridicule saying, well, you are of the baby boomer generation, so anything you have to say doesn't matter. Literally, that's what I mean, okay, boomer. Like, you're not with the times. You probably think men should marry women. What's wrong with you? 
You probably think boys are boys and girls are girls. You probably think that a husband should be married to one person and not just fool around with everybody. And I'm not up here talking to you about politics. I'm up here talking to you about truth. And a lot of people say, well, that's your truth. I speak my truth. Yes, queen. And they say, okay, boomer. Like the older generation doesn't matter. The older generation's the problem. The older generation's keeping us down, man. We got to stick it to the man, man. It's been going on for decades, right? Happened in the 60s after the war. Happened in the 70s, disco. Happened in the 80s, sexual revolution. Oh, by the way, AIDS epidemic. It's happening in the thousands. The dismantling of the stones that God said, when your children ask you, because they will ask you, they will watch you, they will listen, and they will want to know what is true, what is real, what's this all about? Because if you don't have an answer, I'll go find one on my phone. I'll go find somebody who gives me the answer that I want to hear. Well, this pastor says that that's wrong according to scripture, so I'll go find me a pastor who doesn't care. I'll go find me a pastor that looks like me, sounds like me, talks like me, sins like me. Hello. When your children ask in the days to come, you have a responsibility to tell them, God was faithful to me, and he's going to be faithful to you. Many times we say, well, I like listening to this fun young pastor, and that's great. I am excited to see people my age out there getting the gospel out. That doesn't mean that we discount the treasure that we have here at home. Just because you don't see pastor on YouTube with the cool background music or the subtitles on the bottom or the 50 people worship team in the background doesn't mean that he's not giving you that good, good word. Yeah. Just because we've got maybe five kids in the youth class on a good day doesn't mean that they are not getting the pure, unfiltered, raw word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that I use coarse language because we're not seeker-friendly. <laughs> means we use the real scriptures, the scriptures that they're dealing with because when your children ask you in the days to come, a lot of people are questioning right now, well, what happened? I was expecting this to happen, and now that happened. Well, what happened? What? what? My, my Savior was not elected. Wait a minute. Your Savior? He didn't save your soul. And to think that one person's going to save the entire country, it's a little short-sighted. Well, is God for, for my side or their side? No. But as the commander of the armies of the Lord, he has come. And too many times we see that in the churches. Were you for this or are you for that? Well, I'm for Jesus. Are you for Jesus? Because we're not called to pick a fight. We're called to pick up our cross. Jesus, when he was approached at the garden, he didn't say, you know, look at this and you guys are wrong and I can't believe this is a violation of the law because you're coming to get me at night and the Sanhedrin and they're not all here and we don't have a full quorum to vote on this impeachment trial of Jesus. He let it happen because he was about his mission. Everything that was going on in that day, Rome and the Jews and the struggle for political power and the zealots and Judas was like, Jesus, you're going to deliver us from Rome. And Jesus was like, Rome, I'm going to deliver you from sin. But we have this little square box that says, well, God's going to help me win the next election. Are you going to elect to follow God? That's the method 
we need to operate under. Because if you trust in the laws, like Pastor said, a law could change like that. And now what? My Savior wasn't elected. No, your Savior came the foundations of the earth and had a plan for you before you were even born. And now he says, choose. We don't get the exploits without the expectations. For the Lord your God is mighty that you may fear your God forever. Don't discount your grandparents because when they're gone, that history goes with them. That testimony goes with them. Get it, absorb it, build upon it. We'll even go further. Let's talk about great-grandparents. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 7 and 8 say, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, in this context, he's talking about the distribution of promises to the nation of Israel. Okay? But the scripture is also for us. Ask your elders. They'll tell you. How God came through on his promises. They're not just empty campaign promises. Ask your father. Ask your elders. And they will tell you. It is such a blessing to see in this body of Christ. Multiple generations of faithfulness. Not even our faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Because when I look around... I don't just see friends and family members. I see stories. I see events. Each and every one of you are walking tomes of history. And I can't look at you without remembering what God has done for you. I can't see you without appreciating what the Lord has accomplished in your life. I want you to take a look around this church. Most of us are here. Some of us, you know, difficulties traveling or work or whatever. But I want you to think, everyone in here has a testimony. Somehow, some way that the Lord has moved in their life. We've seen it. From the pastors, from our first converts, all the way down to our youth visitors. God is moving in each and every one of our lives. And we can't forget that. We shouldn't cast it aside. We shouldn't just, okay, boomer, the word of God, because that's Old Testament, pastor. We just saw how they line up, type and shadow. The church is to operate according to the biblical precepts, not New Testament precepts. That's how the Catholics got it wrong. We're not streaming, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All this New Testament stuff, and let's try that. Well, let's just let people pay for their sins, and, you know, here's $5. Let's forget about that one. That's not how it works. But the church is always evolving, always edifying, because that's what God's word was given for. We talked about it last week. All scriptures inspired by God, and it is for us, for the doctrine, for the reproof, for the correction, for the edification. So we have all of these scriptures that I want you to really stew on for this week. 
Because like Pastor's been saying, and it has been building, y'all. It's been building in our country with this unrest and this nationwide anxiety, and the kids feel it. I had a student walk up to me the other day. Mr. Sixtus, um, do you think we're going to go to a civil war? 15 years old, scared that his nation that's supposed to protect him might start fighting itself. And we have people who say, well, I don't have to worry about that. I'll just entertain myself into oblivion. The old pagan motto, eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It's actually referenced in the New Testament. Paul says, that's what the unbelievers say. Eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He literally says, if Christ didn't raise from the, great, raise from the dead, that should be our motto. Paul says that in the Bible. But because we have these memorial stones, because we have this undeniable proof of an immeasurable God, Look at your fingerprints. It's not chance. It's creation. God imagined you with your quirks, your blemishes. Oh, bro, Jonathan, don't talk about my blemishes. There's a reason it's called cover girl. Right? <laughs> God imagined you just the way you are. And the problem is that we want to surrender ourselves to the world just the way they want us. Well, I only like you like this. And if not, then you're no good. I only like you when you're athletic. You're only as good as your sports team. I only like you when you're attractive. You're only as good as your boyfriend. I only like you when you are uh, wealthy. You're only as good as your money. I only like you when you agree with me. You're only as good as your last vote. This is the world that we live in. But it is not the way that we operate because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and Joshua in the next chapter. Chapter 3, because Joshua had an encounter with the angel, the armies of the Lord. He's getting ready to go to Jericho. And before they crossed over that river, God told him, I'm going to do a miracle. Before they crossed the Jordan River, the chapter before, I'm sorry. So before they cross the Jordan River, God tells Joshua, here's your responsibility. I'm about to do something great, but first, I need you to do something. Just like before the battle of Jericho, when he said, are you for us or for our enemies? And the angel said, I need you to do something first. Here's what he told the nation of Israel. He said, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Church, I'm here to tell you that tomorrow is today. The Lord has placed this message upon my heart. Pastor has allowed me this platform. It's a holy place. It's not a place for just messing around. This is the altar this is not the meeting room. This is not a rental. This is not a waste of time until we get where we want to go. The Lord is ministering to our hearts here at the Calhoun County YMCA. Stop waiting for God to do something when we get our building. It's a hard saying. It's the word of the Lord. Stop waiting for somebody else's breakthrough to take action. Stop waiting for something bad to happen in your family before you buckle down. Stop waiting for the youth pastor to raise your children. 
Stop waiting for the rapture to save you from all your troubles. The nation of Israel had marching orders. They didn't just stand around and wait for Jericho to fall. They had to do something. And today, the Lord has placed it upon my heart that we are to consecrate ourselves. We are to renew our commitment to the Lord. We made it out of a tough year last year. And we prayed and we shared all the fun, happy, encouraging, and we even found some humor in it. But it was hard. The whole world in turmoil. For some of us, it's been a rough month, depending where you stand politically. For all of us, it's time to consecrate ourselves. So I'd like to do something a little interactive. And uh, I know that we're, we're coming up on about 12 pastors, so I'll keep it short. I want to respect the time. But wherever you are, I know that Pastor even had us do this a while back, but I want you, I want you in a minute, not right now, I'm just going to kind of explain the moving of the Spirit here before we get into it, and if Sister Ruthie, you'll just kind of work with me. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you, and he said this after his encounter with the angel of the Lord. See, he knew when the angel said, take your sandals off because this is holy ground, first things first. And if we don't take care of the first things first, then we should prepare for the worst. Because if you're not in the will of God, there's only one other way to go. What is it that we have in our hearts, in our phones, in our families that is distracting us from the Word of God? And I want everyone to listen very closely here. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand with your families. If medically you need to sit, that's fine. But with your families... And we are going to consecrate ourselves and declare, what are we talking about today? To serve the Lord. See, Joshua knew at this point it wasn't the armor, the weapons, the number of soldiers, the amount of people in the praise band, the expensive children's church curriculum, the fun youth pastor who's okay with living their lives, the pastor who approves of certain lifestyles. Consecration would be the deciding factor in every battle. We must be on his side. Not try and use God as a trump card for whatever argument or jam we get ourselves into. Today, church, we are going to consecrate ourselves. And it's been building. It's been messages that you've heard all year long from our pastors. I'm not up here to give you this word on my behalf. I believe and have the support of my pastors that this is the word of the Lord backed by scripture, inspired by God. My final slide here, serving the Lord means obedience in every area of our lives, authentic repentance and generational discipleship. Some of you serving the Lord means you're an able-bodied person. They needed to talk to the elder about being an usher. Some of you serving the Lord means you have a wonderful singing voice. And if you know how to flow with the Holy Spirit, then you need to talk to Sister Ruthie about praise and worship. Some of you, your gifting is warmth and welcoming. You need to talk to Pastor Terry about being a host. Some of you, you need to pray and say, God, where can I serve you? Don't wait until you hop on a plane and leave the country. Look in your own house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
Some of you need to call up Pastor Terry and say, I can get on that lawn mowing list for pastors. Some of you say, I can get on that partner's pledge list for Pastor Rosie. What do we need? What does the house need? What does the body need? Not just putting up tables and chairs, but lifting each other up. Some of you can help in the children's church. We'd love to hear testimonies, guest speakers in the youth class, guests on the podcast. Seek God for yourselves. The first week of this year, I challenged the youth class. Listen, what is God telling you for this year? And understandably, a lot of them came back a little nervous. They're like, I don't know exactly. You know, I don't hear the audible voice of God. That's fine. We're training them. We're training them to listen. We're training them to obey. This week, we just finished a four-week series about giving God time, making time for God first. And we talked about sanctification, what it means to live holy, not sterile, but sanctified. Not clean and dead, but clean and full of life. And we talked about procrastination. How we think procrastination is, I'll make that choice later, but procrastination means I'm choosing now that it's not important. Things that our kids need to know about. And last week we talked about spiritual discipline. We used a bunch of different sports balls and talked about technique and everything to have them understand spiritual discipline. Find ways that you can teach your kids. They're interested in things. Teach them the ways of the Lord. Today, we are going to consecrate ourselves. At this time, I'd like you to find your family, wherever they are in the auditorium, if you're with them. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray together for our families. We're going to declare we are going to proclaim, we are going to consecrate. And I want you also, as you gather, keep in mind family members who need to be here. We're going to claim them too. People who should be a part of this family. And Michael, if we can go back to 2415, I'd like to read this scripture. Joshua 2415. Here we go. I want you to see this. And when we get to the end of 15, the underlined portion, I want all of you, not just the head of the home, I want all of you to proclaim this for you, for future generations, for your family, for your friends, the people that you are going to bring into the kingdom of God because we are not sitting on the sidelines. We are active. We are a body. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Declare it, church. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to ask Sister Ruthie to just kind of softly sing this song. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And at this time, I want the head of the household to pray a prayer of consecration over your family. I'll give you guys a few minutes to do that. to ask something of you as the priest of our house as we are divided into our family units just as they used to do when the nation was called before the judges I'd like to ask you and Pastor Rosie to pray a renewal of consecration over this body and that'll be I'll hand it over to you after that we'll receive from our pastors who have said as for this house we will serve the Lord praise God Father we thank you for the families represented here we thank you that they will serve the Lord in their own home and they're in their living rooms kitchen area share the word of God Father eat the word of God every day take communion in those homes Father God every day as often as they can and we thank you Father God that you've put this church together church is made up of members we're all members of the body of Christ. We're members of your family. 
Father, we thank you for the family of God that's already in heaven and those of us that are still here on planet Earth. Help us, Father God, to serve you and to serve one another as family members, to be sensitive to the needs of your people. And we just praise you and thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to serve you and to serve one another and to serve our generation with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the anointing of the Lord. We thank you for the blood of Jesus and the doorposts of each and every one of our homes, spiritual and natural, that the enemy will not be able to penetrate that bloodline. And we just announce to you, Satan, you're defeated in our homes, in our lives, in this church. And we're going to fulfill our calling, fulfill what you placed each and every one of us, Father God, and all of our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren will serve the Lord in their generation. And I praise you and thank you, Father God, for the anointing that we'll need for 2021, Father God. And we just praise you and thank you, Father God, on this last Sunday of the month, Father God, Family and Friends Day, to be able to, to realize and understand that, that we're a friend to you and you're a friend to us and you are our God. You're our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we just praise you and thank you that you provide for us and we provide for one another and each and every one of our individual family members. And we praise you and thank you for the privilege that we have to bear the name of Christ and call ourselves Christian and to be able to, for the world to be able to see that we are the children of God by the love that we have one to another. And we praise you and thank you for the message we receive in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Now I want you to go hug the rest of the family of God that's here, your brothers and your sisters. Amen. We're all family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.